Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Equip You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today we have our a new friend and sister in Christ, Camille. Camille, welcome to the Equip You and Grace podcast. Dave, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's it was good to get to chat with you. I guess we have a few mutual friends, and and that's always fun to 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 chat about them and and uh, about what the Lord is doing. Can you uh, tell us about a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and what are you working on ministry project wise? Okay, yeah. So I um, live in the Cincinnati metro area with my husband, and we have three adult children. Um, really, my my background. Uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, my husband and I grew up in the church together, and uh, he ended up going into youth ministry. So we served together. I served alongside him in youth ministry for many, many years. So I have a huge heart for all things teenagers and teenagers and even on into college students. And um, so I've worked for years and also with a uh, uh, parachurch ministry called HealingHearts.org. I was with them for about a decade, uh, really involved in. Uh, post-abortion trauma ministry, and really that kind of morphed into learning all things uh, trauma-related and how to give um, real biblical, gospel-centered hope and help to those who are hurting. And so um, since then, I've gone on to do more local ministry and and biblical counseling. I was certified with uh, ACBC in 2015. And uh, so it's 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 been a minute um since I was certified with them but have enjoyed it and um great organization and so anyway I do a lot of public speaking uh writing I just wrote a couple of uh resources on the topic of um post abortion and uh a, a little resource to help uh, couples or uh women or men who might be wrestling with uh the idea of having an abortion and so I really, you know, spend my time working on uh, those projects, a lot of uh, writing and speaking, whether it's um, pregnancy care banquets, their fundraisers to help them uh, mm-hmm. with uh, local lo- local pregnancy care help or um, women's conferences, youth, you know, uh, young women's conferences, those type of things. So that's that's my passion. Um, the Lord's uh allowed me and given me the ability to speak. And so I want to share from his word, especially on tough topics. So that's kind of my heartbeat. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. Um, Well, today we're going to talk about this book, Moving Forward After Abortion, Finding Comfort in God. If you're watching the video, here is the, here's the book. Um, can you tell us about this book? Um, you know, why you wrote it and well, how is it being received? It's been out just a little bit here. So, yeah, I think, you know, the, the impetus in writing, it was really just to kind of be able to scratch the surface and engage, enter into a conversation with, um, women or, you know, even men, uh, also experience abortion and its effects on them. And so to be able to start the conversation, especially for those who feel stuck, um, in their past, or maybe they've never even addressed their past. It's kind of scary um, to dig up those kind of uh, things from your past and deal with them. So it's really just was written from the perspective of somebody who's experienced abortion to try and reach um, someone to say, you know, I've been there. I've walked in your shoes. God, God loves you. He has answers from his word to, uh, to bring you hope and healing afterwards. So it's, I wouldn't say it's exhaustive by any means. It's not a catch-all, you know, resource. I do um, in the book point them to the organization uh, that I belong to uh, several years ago, healinghearts.org. Um, wonderful group of women and men and really intensive 
uh, Bible study and help uh, to help those uh, even after they get done with the book. So, yeah, this uh, this book is uh, it's really good. Um, you know, it's it's really, as you mentioned, it's it's brief. It's, uh, I guess, 80, 80 pages. I have it right here. And uh, but it's chock full of information. You, you're not going to regret, uh, guys, reading this this book. Um, it is real. In, in the best sense of the word, it's authentic in the in the best sense of the word. Uh, it doesn't point to you, obviously, as the author. It, it points to the, the word of God and to the person work of Christ, which is what we're to do. But it still shares your your story and it shares about, you know, um, the, the help that the Lord has helped you with in the midst of of this. So um, it is is really good. So thank you for your work on that. Oh, um, thank you, Dave. Yeah. You know, um, as I as I ask this question, I want to preface this for for people that are listening and watching. You know, I don't I don't have any any kind of experience or anything. I don't think I've ever I was thinking about as we're we're preparing to talk. I was thinking, have I ever counseled anybody that has had an abortion? I don't think that I've known anybody that's had an abortion. I could be wrong about that. I've been doing it for two decades. So I, 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 I don't think that I have. So I'm going to rely on on you. I might ask some follow up questions uh, there, but you know, as we as we get started more on this, can you tell us a little bit about your story and why you have uh, such compassion for women who've had an abortion? Yeah, sure. And I, I do want to make a little bit of plug out there for us uh, BCers, our biblical counselors. Um, put put that question on your intake form. A, lo- a lot of people. Uh, that we see in counseling are not going to disclose because it's, it runs, you know, abortion um, runs very deep for those that have that experience. And there's a lot of shame and guilt. And we're going to talk about that later, but, you know, I I would encourage you to put that on there because typically they're not going to disclose that. Um, And a lot of times that's at the root of some of the issues that we're seeing in counseling. So um, just a plug there to, to get that on your intake forms, but my own story, I grew up in the church and I was a church kid and my parents were involved in our local church. And so I was there almost every time the doors were open and I heard about the gospel um, all, all along growing up. But it wasn't until I went to youth camp at age 12 that I came to know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And and I really, you know, looking back um when we make sin choices in our lives, we tend to kind of wrestle, you know, am I really saved? Do I, did I really come to know Christ? And looking back at that experience, um, I knew that Christ died for me as a sinner. And when I um, had gone down to the front and prayed with the, the evangelist who was there at that conference and then gone back to my seat, we had worship and music. And I just remember my heart being filled with such thankfulness, such gratitude and love for the Lord um, that it's just undeniable. But when I went back home from that camp experience, I didn't really have a whole lot of follow-up discipleship and mentoring. And even though my parents were professing believers, I wouldn't say that they really lived out faith at home. And we were not really word-centered Um, or gospel-centered in in our everyday life at home. So by the time I got to high school and entered into the dating world and dating relationships, I didn't really have any kind of strong guidance other than what a lot of church kids hear is don't have sex before you're married, because if you do, it's a sin. And that is true, but we need to know the why behind that. And nobody ever taught me um, kind of that why. And so I'm very passionate about teaching uh, young women that on that topic. But so I um, became sexually active at the age of 15. And then it wasn't long before I became pregnant at the age of 16. And I kind of felt like this statistic, this young teenage girl in high school who had had sex and the guy was long gone, not part of the relationship anymore. And here I was pregnant. And my mom found out and she came to me and she said, Camille, do you want to have an abortion? And I thought, you know, I can't believe my mom's asking me this. I know it was wrong to have sex outside of marriage, but I also know abortion is wrong. And I don't want to do that. This is my baby. I want to keep my baby. And 
So I told her, I said, no, mom, you know, I want to keep this baby. And my parents were very loving and gracious and supported me. And so did my church family. And um, I think that's great. I think that's key for a lot of young people that are um, faced with an unexpected pregnancy, that they have that good support at home or in the community through pregnancy care center or through their local church. So um, I was really blessed to have that. So I uh, worked my tail off and graduated high school a year early. And I walked, walked across my uh, stage at my high school graduation, grabbed my diploma while I was six months pregnant. And at the end of the summer, uh, I had my daughter. And two weeks after she was born, I was in full-time college because my mom really pressured me with my education. She's like, you got to get that education. So here I was, you know, kind of this young mom going to school full-time. I was working two part-time jobs, just trying to do my best and um, had had fallen away from church for a while and got back into church. Um, but I really still didn't have any kind of discipleship or teaching on relationships. And now I have this daughter and I, you know, I wanted to be married. I wanted her to have a father. That's God's desire and his design uh, for the family. And so I began dating again. And because I hadn't learned anything, nothing had changed. I became sexually active again and became pregnant again very quickly. Mm. And this time, um, you know, it's just different. And it's it's interesting, Dave, how especially for Christians, when we get into certain circumstances, our theology can change. We, we try and tweak it, you know, but God hasn't changed and his word hasn't changed. His standards haven't changed. And um, my parents had found out about the pregnancy with the second time. And, you know, they really began to kind of pressure us this, you know, putting a lot of doubts and questions in my mind about, can you do this? Is this fair to Lauren, your daughter, you know, neither one of you really have careers yet. Uh, we don't think this is a good idea. We think you should have an abortion. And so we we kind of talked about that, but we really hadn't just made a decision. And then something happened that really changed uh, the trajectory of, of our lives. And um, I'll, I'll make this story really short and also tease the viewers to go in and get the book and uh, read the rest of the story. But um, I found out within about a 24 hour period, my I was up at uh, work and my boyfriend was watching my daughter and he had sexually assaulted and shaken her to death. And I uh, my world just crumbled and uh, we had gone up to the hospital. That's where the doctors had informed me. And before I was even uh, leaving the hospital with my parents, before we hit the parking lot, they're talking about, Camille, you've got to have an abortion. Like, there's no way that you can go forward. And so I had just a short period of time where I really wrestled through that decision. And again, um, some of that, those wrestlings are in, in the resources that I've written um, to kind of help get inside of the mind of somebody who is abortion minded to help them. But, um, you know, it just really plagued me. And I, like I said, my my theology about God really began to get very twisted. And, you know, we want to tend to make our, our big God thoughts about us and not him. And so I began to think, you know, well, this is me and this is my unique, like, who's ever this, who has this ever happened to before? Um, God, this, this is a unique situation. I remember praying and just asking him, you know, somehow I know that your word says this is wrong. I know that it's not right, but somehow you've got to make this okay. Mm-hmm. And um, then I went and had an abortion and my life just spiraled uh, after that. And anybody in biblical counseling or ministry kind of knows that downward spiral. And that's really where I was for about two years. And because I felt like I had lost everything in life, I didn't care about my life anymore. And I think that uh, the similar, there are a lot of counselees that sit across from us and they've made choices or they've entered circumstances and they just feel like I've lost everything. What, why should I even care about my life anymore? And, um, you know, I just began to have even more relationships and compounded that with drinking and drugs and anything I could to kind of medicate the pain and forget 
what had happened. And but the Lord in his mercy did not let me spiral forever. Um, thank, thank, thank you, Jesus. And um, you know, he brought me to the end of myself. And I'm really grateful for that. He brought um a godly young man into my life and who had graduated from seminary, just graduated from seminary. We had grown up in church together and he was back home and so was I. And then, um, you know, he shared with me that he had feelings about me. We'd grown up in church together. So he knew about my past. He knew what had happened with my daughter, Lauren, but I didn't think anybody knew about the abortion, Dave. And um, so I think when he shared that he had feelings for me, he could see some hesitation because I'm sitting there going, this guy's going to be a youth pastor. This is my past. What these two things don't go together. You know, he he doesn't have any business being with a girl like me. And so when he sensed that hesitation, he looked me in the eyes and he said, Camille, I know about your abortion and I love you anyway. And it just hit me. And I, I remember leaving that night and going home and just sensing the Lord showing me the gospel afresh. Mm. You know, he's a holy God. He's pure. He's righteous. And we're sinners. We're depraved. Um, in, every, in every way, we are depraved. And yet he loves us. Mm. And he wants to be with us anyway. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to the cross to mm. die for our sins and to, and to raise again so that we could have new life. And I needed that fresh wind of new life. And so my from that point on, my life began to change. I began living for the Lord. Um, I ended up marrying uh, that godly young man and and we entered into ministry together. But really, you know, I'd like to say that was the happy ending. But because I had this abortion in my past that I had not dealt with, I knew I, I was a Christian. I knew God had forgiven me for my abortion. And when you talk to people, believers who have an abortion in their past, a lot of them will say the same thing. Like I, I, I put that under the blood that, you know, Christ has dealt with that. And that's true, but God is also healer. And I think we don't understand all of the entanglements and the complexities that can surround an abortion. A lot of people that I've worked with over the years, they have a lot of other trauma or other situations that are not easy leading up to that decision. And so it's compounded. So you know, just to kind of say, Jesus has forgiven me for that. I should be able to move forward. A lot of people are stuck and that's where I was. Mm -hmm. And so it was really beginning to take its toll on our marriage for about the first three years. And then again, God in his grace uh, brought a, a, a ministry along healing hearts. And I was able to go through a really intensive Bible study. And God just used his word and the power of his Holy Spirit to just change my life and um, have that joy and be able to um, have a marriage that honored God and, and uh, focused on him. So I'm really thankful for that. My husband looked at me when I got done and he just said, you're a completely different person. And that's the power of God's word, that it can change us from the inside out. So mm -hmm. that's that's my story. Thank you so much for for sharing your story, Camille. I mean, wow. I mean, there's there's so much there in 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 that in your story there about you know you talked about how you got entangled and then things kind of spiraled out of control and you know it's it's not only related to you know as as you're talking I'm thinking it's not only relate your story not only relates to the person who's had an abortion but but even like you were talking about to God's design and it, it speaks to you know the person that's really struggling with sexual sin and pornography and all all, all of that you know cuz like we'll talk about a little bit later you know guilt and shame <laughs> They're they're there in that and and so um, there's really just a lot there you know it's it's interesting um, as you're talking I, I I was just thinking you know it's interesting you know how pain and trauma and suffering uh, can be a catalyst to for us to think you know in our in our flesh of course 
that, you know, God doesn't care about me. So then we go the other way. We don't go to the source of help. We go away from the source of help. And, and uh, you know, um, the, the right thing, obviously, is we're, we're to go to that. We're to go to the source of, of hope and help. But so often we go back to the, you know, um, to the trough of, of our flesh and our sin and the world. And so, but, but praise God in his grace, um, you know, in his providence, he, he helped you, you know, he's helped me too. And, and not with not, I never had an abortion, but you know, I was, I was enslaved to sexual sin and the Lord also helped me and brought me out of that. And I've been free of that for now, uh, a long time by God's grace. So, uh, praise the Lord, and uh, we all have we all have our story. We all have those inflection points that you know they hit hard, and they 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 they're kind of like a crisis moment, if you will. Um, where are we going to go? Where where are we going to find the help and the hope? And um, if anything, you get out of that today. Maybe if you're listening, um, you're facing that yourself. And I just want to say, the Lord is giving you a choice in that. And it's, it, he, one of my mentors calls this, he hand tailors, God hand tailors the situations of our lives. And it gives us a choice under his providence to face the suffering with his help or to go the other way. And I, I would just plead with you if you're listening to this as we continue to uh, today to go to the source of help and hope. Um, you know, the local church is there. Your pastor's there. Your elders are there. Titus 2, if you're a woman listening, you know, go to that older woman. If you're a man, you know, maybe you're, you're, you've had a, a, a spouse or, or something or a friend that's had an abortion that's impacted you, you know, go to an older man. And uh, so do you have anything to say about that before we go on? No, I think those are all great encouragements. Turn, turn to Christ. He's um, he's loving, he's there, he's waiting for us to come to him. You know, we, we rightly focus on the stories and the emotions of women who have had abortions, but you know, what about men? You know, you, you just talked about them and you talk about them in the book, you refer to them as the forgotten fathers. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, so many times we, and because of the culture, Dave too, tries to primarily make this a women's issue, but um, last time we all checked, I think it takes two um, to make a baby. And so, you know, an abortion decision impacts men as well. Um, they're the fathers of their uh, pre-born babies who are aborted. And so a lot of men, you know, they kind of fall into one of two categories. Either they were um, a proponent of the abortion and, and maybe even pressured or demanded or, you know, whatever. Their reasoning was that their uh, girlfriend or wife even have an abortion, and um, then they feel a lot of guilt and shame after that. Or um, maybe they're in the other kind of side of things, and they didn't want their partner uh, or girlfriend, wife to have an abortion, and she did it anyway. And they're grieving, or they have a lot of questions, and because we don't think of this as a man's issue. Uh, they often feel like they don't have any place to go, but um, we need we need to start talking about how abortion impacts everybody, not just the the um, woman, the mother, and the baby, but everybody, the the father. Um, I've even counseled grandparents who whose wow. children they knew had an abortion, and they're grieving the loss of their grandbaby. And wrestling through that, so we we really need to start thinking about everybody and uh, how important how abortion impacts so many lives beyond just the mom and the baby. Yeah, I I honestly had never heard anybody. I don't think if there if there is, I I missed it. But I don't think I've ever heard anybody take that approach. You know, it's always just about the 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 mother and the baby. And of course, like you said, that's absolutely critical. But what about the man? And and like you said, what about the grandparents? What about the aunts and the uncles and and everybody that that wanting to love that child and look forward to that child and and even to those who may not have a child and so they want to latch onto that kid and and love and care for that kid as, as one of their own. I mean, man, um, that is that is so important. I, do you do you, are there other people out there that that have, that have talked about that? I, I'm not. I'm just not aware of it. 
there are there are a few um, men that have come forward. You know, I would say kind of well known in in Christian circles that have abortions in their past. Um, one of them is a pastor, and uh, it's just funny. You know, when you mention, you know, and I was a youth pastor's wife. I mean, we we don't think about people on the mission field or our church leaders or our elders having an abortion in their past, but they do. Uh, I remember um, hearing of a, an elder who every sanctity of life, you know, of human life Sunday, he would not go to church because he was so undone and afraid of kind of what would, how he would experience that in the congregation. Mm-hmm. And so he's stuck and not receiving the help and the healing that he needs. Um, you know, it's Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And here we have, you know, church leaders or missionaries or Sunday school teachers or, you know, youth workers with an abortion in their past. And I like to say it's kind of like they're they're walking with a spiritual limp because all they've done is say, you know, Jesus has forgiven that, but they haven't been in really sanctified from that and done that work of sanctification with the Lord through his word. And so they were supposed to run. We're supposed to run the race, but they're limping and they don't even realize why, because they have that in their past. So um, really, I, I want to, I can't encourage biblical counselors, pastors, um, youth pastors, you know, we need to be talking about this topic and how to help people who have an abortion in their past and um, help them to find that hope and healing in Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for, for raising that issue. So important. Uh, many, many women who become Christians after having an abortion, they fear that God will punish them for what they did. Uh, what encouragement do you offer of them in addressing that fear? Yeah. And I, I want to give just a little bit of a caveat because it's not just Christian women either, right? Um, it's, any any woman that has an understanding of God may have this fear, but I think especially Christians, um, because I know, like me, I knew what I was doing was wrong, yet I did it anyway. And so, you know, the encouragement that I would give them is that um, we need to look and consider the nature of God. Uh, he, um, you know, our punishment that we deserve for the sin of abortion fell on Christ on the cross. He took that upon himself. And so there's no longer room for punishment. Um, Now God disciplines, he teaches as children, and sometimes he uses um, the consequences of sin to teach us, but it's not to punish us. It's not vindictive. That's not God's nature. So I would encourage them with that. And we talk about that a little bit more in the book. Yeah, that's really good. Can you talk about the importance of acknowledging and grieving your baby? Yeah, you know, a lot of women and maybe men as well tend to think about the abortion as an act. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe almost like I got drunk, like it was an an like a an, an act versus you know what really transpired in that and their their heart behind that and. So really um, talking about just being able to come to the Lord and confess that to him. I think a lot of uh, Christians uh, will stay stuck or even non-believers won't approach um, the idea of God. Again, that kind of goes back to that fear of punishment, but it can leave us stuck when we don't humble ourselves and confess that as sin and come to the Lord. So. you know, when you're, I think you had asked me about grief as well. Um, so, you know, really remembering that this, this act of abortion, there was a person, you know, within, within that who lost their life. And I think it can be really hard for the post-abortive to approach because that happened by our own hand. Mm. And um, really remembering that it is a person. It's a life that God gave. It's, it's my baby. I counseled with a woman um, one time and she, we were going through some scriptures and we met the next week and she said, Camille, I never put a personal pronoun to the baby that I aborted. I would always say the baby 
And that's kind of us distancing ourselves from what we've done. And, and again, back to that act of sin versus um, the person who was sinned against. And so um, it was freeing for her. It was healing for her to be able to say, that was my baby. And to have that good confession, like that was my baby that I aborted. And that paved the way for her to be able to grieve the baby that she had lost, the baby that she had sinned against, to be able to grieve that loss before God. And so it's um it's very important. And if you're if you're kind of old school like me, um, you know, we kind of they were living in this divide now between the post-abortive. So we have women of my generation and further back who primarily had surgical abortions. But now we have medication abortions. And I read a statistic the other day that um, I think it's up over 60% of abortions now are medication abortions. And so um, for my generation, we were told, a lot of us, oh, that's just a clump of cells. That's just tissue. So that that takes away the personhood of an image bearer of God. And we know that they're an image bearer at the moment of conception when God creates a unique human being using the strand of the mother's DNA and the father's DNA to create this unique image bearer. And so, but with modern technology, we see ultrasounds. We we know so much about um, life in the womb and, you know, when their heartbeat starts and these brain waves and when they feel pain and all of these intricacies that we cannot any longer say, oh, that's just a clump of cells. That's just a, a bunch of tissue. You know, women know that they've had an abortion, that they've aborted a baby. And um, I think to realize again, that it's it's their baby paves the way and it opens. It sounds painful, you know, and it is sometimes, you know, any any kind of wound that has scabbed over, but has an infection underneath, mm. the only way to heal it is to go ahead and reopen that wound. And it, I think that's what's most scary for women and men trying to um, think about this topic in, in their own lives. And it hinders them from healing, though, just like if you had kept living with this infection underneath the surface, it's going to spread to other parts of the body and cause gangrene, right? So so it is with the heart, the human heart. If we live with that kind of undealt with sin and we haven't received healing for it, not just forgiveness, forgiveness is part of that healing, but it's not the end all be all, there's more, then we're going to, it's going to affect other areas of our lives like parenting and marriage and those type of things. So it's really important to acknowledge personhood of the baby, that that's an image bearer of God and to be able to grieve, um, grieve that sin and that loss. Yeah, that's good. And, and I, and I, 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 I really love all that, you know, because it's applicable not only to a person just grieving an abortion, but, you know, grieving a loss of a loved one or, or, and, and, or more. We have this category of, you know, as we know, lament and it, it allows us uh, in God's word. It's in God's word and God get, it's God giving us permission to express, you know, how we feel, you know, to him, back to him. Um, you know, we see that in the Psalms, you know, David is downtrodden and downcast and, and then he says he hopes in the Lord, you know, he, he doesn't stay there. He expresses himself, you know, his human emotions, and then he puts his trust in the Lord because he recognizes that the Lord is in control. Um, and so I think that what you're saying is, is I just want to draw that out for people. You know, it's not just, you know, you might be grieving a child, but you might be grieving the, the death of somebody and, and the pain of, of life. You know, like you have a family member like I do who has uh, dementia. I have a father who has dementia and a, and, a, and a mother who has Alzheimer's and or they might have a physical ailment. And, and all these things that Camille just talked about, they all relate to that specific category of lament it gives us permission to pour out our heart to our high priest who truly does care for us so i don't know if you wanted to touch on that or anything but feel free i think that you know and i think this was maybe something we had a plan to talk about and i think it's a good segue into that is really emotions 
And the laments were given to us to have a place, a safe place with the Lord to express honestly um, all that we're feeling. God created us as emotional beings. God is emotional. Now, he's not controlled by his emotions like we can be or out of control of our emotions. But, um, you know, we're we have those for a reason. And God gave them to us to show that something's going on underneath the surface of our hearts. So in the book, we talk a little bit about, you know, anger and the different, really helping people to understand the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. And you'll see those, you'll see David or the other psalmist expressed in the laments, expressions of anger and frustration and irritation and just that raw honesty with the Lord. And so But it's important to work through specifically, why am I angry? Who am I angry with? Is it righteous anger? And I think a lot of of Christians, in my experience, Dave, have really struggled because somewhere along the way, they got the notion that all anger is sin. And it's not because scripture even tells us, be angry and do not sin. So there's a place for righteous anger. And so when you... When you're a post-abortive woman or man and you didn't really want the abortion and somebody pressured you into that, there's righteous anger there. They sinned against you by putting pressure on you to do something that was wrong against the Lord. Now, you have to take personal responsibility for going along with that decision. But um, I think being able to separate those things and really think through them biblically and process them according to God's word helps a lot of people to find freedom Mm. in their expression of righteous anger to the Lord and then responding rightly, because we can also have righteous anger and then sin in our response to that righteous anger. So that's just anger. We talk about depression and, you know, the sorrow and there, there should be grief as we talked about, but a lot of people deal with their grief and a worldly sorrow versus a godly sorrow. So we talked through that and anxiety. Um, so many pe- people, so many women that I've worked with over the years have never told anybody that they've had an abortion, not even their spouse. And so when there's a secret like that, that you're afraid of to, that somebody finding out about, there can be a lot of anxiety. So counts again, biblical counselors, You've got women and men coming in and sitting in your counseling room and they're just eat up with anxiety. Are you asking them tenderly, gently, can I ask you a question? Can you share with me? Have you, have you possibly had an abortion in your past? Um, I think you'd be surprised how many might say, you know, I have, Mm -hmm. and then you get, you're getting to the root instead of those presenting problems, you're getting to the root of what's in the heart to help them um, heal and be sanctified. So those are guilt, grief. Um, those are also emotions. We we on, uh, obviously have appropriate um, guilt over that, but we oftentimes deal inappropriately with that guilt. We try to blame shift or, you know, um, excuse it or justify our reasoning behind our choice for abortion. So those are things that we need to work through. Uh, with scripture and not not just the laments, but good teaching as well, so that we can have that to renew our minds and and hearts. Yeah. I was just thinking as you're talking about, you know, the person that is stuck in silence, if you will, you know, they don't want to come out and and share about their that they've had an abortion, whether they're a man or or like we've talked about, or you know, a woman, um, can you just maybe speak to them, maybe offer them some encouragement? You know, maybe they're, they're listening or watching and they'll find this program, you know, through, through your ministry or through servants of grace. Um, and they, they've had that and they've just stuck. Maybe you could just speak to them. What, what would you say to one? Let's say you're sitting down next to them, you know, you're sitting, you know, at church and somebody comes up to you and knows your story. What, what do you, what do you say to them over coffee? Yeah, I mean, I would tell them, you know, the, this secret that you're carrying is is a heavy, heavy burden. And Christ calls us to cast all of our, our cares and our burdens onto him. And one of the hardest things that I ever had to do was actually confess my abortion to another human being. Um, because there's risk. There's risk that they'll reject you. 
um, that they won't love and accept you. But those who truly belong to Christ, I found time and time again with each person, especially in the beginning of of this journey that I had uh, after my abortion and telling my husband, you know, um, being honest with him about it, telling other friends or colleagues about it. Um, I mentioned, I think even in the book, we at one point we had to go to our pastor that my husband, you know, could have lost his job. We There's a risk to that, but um, the risk in gaining freedom through Christ is worth it because he doesn't want you to continue to live with a heavy burden. That burden will continue to weigh you down until you are just stuck and um, in in a stalemate and and not be able to move forward. And Christ wants you to be set free with the truth. So um, I I love um, one of my favorite passages is James 5.16 that talks about um, that we need to confess our sins one to another and pray with each other that we find healing in that for the prayer of a powerful person is uh, the prayer of a person, righteous person is powerful and effective. I'll get it right. Um, so hey, paraphrases are okay. You know, <laughs> off the memory. I mean, I do, I do, I have to do it too. As long as you just say people, Hey, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> That's uh, uh, yeah. My, my memory is getting, uh, as I get older, but all that to say, you know, it's really, I love that that verse just shows us that there's healing when we confess our sins, not just to the Lord, but to others in the body of Christ. And not that you have to go out and just stand on a soapbox and say, listen, I'm going to tell the world what I've I've done. But especially in the beginning, before you've received that biblical healing and sanctification in Christ, uh, just to share that with a trusted few. And we walk through in the book kind of how to do that, how to navigate that. Um, but in the end, if Christ has really set you free, I mean, you really should be able to be at a place where you say, I'm free indeed. And you're not afraid to tell or share about the testimony that he's given you because your Savior has redeemed you and he loves you. And he wants to share that with others who may need that comfort that you've received. So good. So good. You know, we we both love the church. We we've you know given our lives to serve the church. Um, so, how can the church walk alongside you know women contemplating an abortion? And the follow up question is, how can the church walk alongside women who have had an abortion? Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, contemplating an abortion uh, probably is going to lie more within pastoral care. You know, family um, may come to their pastor. Uh, I think we we need to remember these are not just, you know, kids in our youth group who are finding themselves in an unexpected pregnancy. There are couples, married couples, who because of this window into the womb that we have and all of our testing that we have now, you know, maybe they've gotten a poor prognosis from their doctor and they're considering an abortion and um, they're afraid to talk to somebody about that. So I think, you know, kind of breaking through some of the stereotypes as we talk about these issues and, you know, from our pastors from the pulpit or in conversational circles with other believers in community group or wherever it is, we need to kind of break through some of those stereotypes and say, you know, these are really hard questions and, and um, situations that we're finding ourselves in in this culture. But we love you. We're willing to be here to walk alongside you. We're not going anywhere. And I think I think. More than anything, people who are contemplating an abortion and then choose life need to know that you're going to be there beyond the nine months. Mm. Like how how we're going to be there with you because you're part of this body and you're in our care. We love you. We love your baby. We love your family. We want to help you even beyond um, the baby's birth. And and they need it. I mean, any any new new uh family can testify. They need a lot of help. Um, but for the the um, post-abortive, I think churches, again, um, we just need to make sure that we're sharing the truth in love. Um, we hear the truth a lot, I think, on this topic of, of abortion. We Christians know that it's wrong. They need to know that 
there's hope and there's repentance and there's grace and mercy available after the choice. And um, so, you know, how we're talking about this topic, Dave, we're going into an election year. This is going to be a hot button topic. It already is. And especially after the over, overturning of Roe v. Wade, now it's at the state level. We have all these things. And, um, you know, we're passionate as believers. We have righteous anchor over some of these issues, but that then spills over into community group conversations and that may not be so grace laden. They're really truth laden, but they don't have a whole lot of grace in it. And then you're, you you may not know that the man or woman in your community group who's listening or eavesdropping in the next room who's post-abortive is being wounded uh, with the words that you speak. So I think, you know, really learning to give compassionate biblical answers and um, picking up this book. So the book's not just for um, post-abortive women and men, I would say I would encourage all believers and not just because I'm the author, like we need to be educated and equipped uh, to really give hope and compassionate answers with truth and love on this topic. Hmm. That's, that is so, so good, Camille. Thank you for that. You know, if you could say just one thing to a woman starting her journey and moving forward, what what would that be? Trust God. Trust him. He's trustworthy. Gosh, I'm going to cry. Um, it's hard. It's scary. Um, trust, trust that your Savior loves you. Your Creator loves you. Even when we've sinned against him by, by destroying the creation that he put in the womb, he still loves us. And you can trust him because he's trustworthy. He's faithful. Um, find somebody who is trustworthy to walk alongside you a good um, Christian sister if you're a man a Christian brother who is a safe place who will walk with you in truth but with a lot of grace and a lot of love and and you know it's worth it the journey with the Lord through um, sanctification and this healing work that he does for our souls when we have self-inflicted wounds God doesn't say, oh, you did that to yourself. You know, you don't deserve my grace and mercy. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all, we all have self-inflicted wounds. That's why Christ came and took those wounds upon himself that we might be healed. So trust him in the journey. I hope you'll pick up the book and feel comforted that you have another woman walking alongside you to find that hope in Christ. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh you know, it's okay that you cry on, on the show, <laughs> you know, uh, there's been times when I've lost it too. So, uh, you know, people hear that and I think they'll really, um, you know, identify with maybe not your specific pain, but just pain in general. And so yeah. it's really important. Um, so thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. Yeah. Where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise? Yeah, they can go um, ch check out my website. It's agrittygospellife.com, agrittygospellife.com. And you can even go, uh, once you get on the website, you can actually get a free download of Moving Forward After Abortion. It's got one chapter in my personal testimony in it as well. So you can start there if you're not sure. Um, but it also has t tons of other resources, some articles, um, that I that I've written for the Gospel Coalition and other organizations, and um, you'll hear some more of my uh, video testimony is on there as well as um, some other credible uh, biblical counseling organization organizations for those that need help um, in different areas around the country. And then you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at agrittygospellife.com. Agrittygospellife. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we're after this, I'll definitely start following you. So uh, look forward to that and encourage other people to follow you as well. You know, uh, Camille, there's a lot that we could talk about, you know, about this topic. And as I always say at the end, guys, uh, we really only have scratched the surface. So just as we wrap up this conversation, what do you what do you have as a few or maybe one takeaway uh, for those who listen or watch? It could be you, Grace. Yeah, I, I would just trying to think of a, a, another good takeaway. I feel like I've, I've, I've said a lot, but um, definitely, I guess, be prayerful. You know, we, we mentioned the, 
the season that we're going into with uh, an election year next year, um, but also just the state of our world. Um, abortion's been around a long time. Uh, you know, it didn't start with Roe. Um, it's it's been around a long time, and that's that's part of the human heart. And so, um, if you're hurting, seek help, seek Christ. If you're not a part of this experience at all, engage with uh, conversations that are grace filled and um, gospel centered, because our world is hurting. There are a lot of women and men out there. Um, the statistic is one out of every three. Uh, women, by the time they've reached their mid-40s, will have had at least one abortion. And so, and most of the women, I think the statistic I read was 60% of those seeking an abortion have had one previously. Mm. So really, you know, the post-abortive men and women in, in our world are a huge mission field for the gospel. And so this, don't shy away from this topic engage it is hard but we've i've given you tools now plus god's word which is the ultimate tool to be effective to talk on this topic and engage our culture with the love of christ mm. and his truth wow yeah camille thank you so much for coming on equipping and grace today um you've done a wonderful job and you have definitely given us a lot to think about to digest and even to take in and guys uh, if you're watching the video here is Camille's book. Um, it is called Moving Forward After Abortion, Finding Comfort in God. It's part of the Ask Christian Counselor series from New Growth Press. I encourage you. Uh, I've been also reading some of the other ones in this series, and it is also they are also very good. So, you know, pick up one of these and pick up a couple of the others in the series. Uh, they're short. They're about 80 pages or so. Um, you'll find some a lot of help and hope, and we'll definitely be continuing talking with the authors in that series. So, Camille, um, wanted to say again, thank you so much for your time and for the great work that you're doing for God's glory and the good of God's people. So, thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure. God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.